I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad we're back to normal and it's warm again. Amen. I thought I liked the cold, but I now I found out why I like it being down here in the south. And um, I don't know about y'all, but there's been some sickness going around, and unfortunately, I was one of them that caught it. Good to see you today. You know, right now, if you're healthy and you're not sick, you was able to be here. You got something to thank Jesus for. Amen. And I don't know about you, but every day we ought to be able to shout, give him praise. But when you're here and you're reminded of the message we just heard, if it not be for a place to call Mount Calvary, where would we, we would be in trouble, wouldn't we, folks? So no matter what we're going through tonight, no matter where we've been this week, because of Jesus, we got to shout in us. Amen. And so tonight it's my honor to be here to preach for you. Brother Dennis asked me again, and I love Brother Dennis. He has become a great friend of mine. We, I probably come up here and aggravate him. I'm up here with him and Duke and Scooter a couple times a week now, it seems like. But I'm just thankful I can come somewhere where I feel accepted. Amen? How about you? And one thing about this place, if you love Jesus and you come here, you're going to find out you're accepted. Amen? And even if you don't love him yet, we're glad you're here with us tonight. We love you and the Lord. But I want to talk to us tonight primarily to the church. And I want to use a passage. It may be up there by now. There it is. It comes out of the book of Romans. If you've got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 15. It comes from the pen in the life of Paul. And it's a very personal passage that Paul is writing to the church. And, you know, we're not surprised if you're a student of the New Testament and you are familiar with the epistles. That's the letters of the apostle Paul. He wrote so many in the New Testament that Paul is a praying man. Amen. Every letter starts out, he says, I thank God every day for you with joy, and I pray for you, and I'm thankful for you, for the grace of God that he has poured out upon you, and he's praying for the church. But here, it's a unique passage. I've never heard it preached. I've looked and hadn't seen many sermons on it. But God brought it to my attention one day. Here, Paul is asking the church to pray for him. And it's a message that I call how the church prayed for the Apostle Paul, praying for spiritual leaders. I don't know, I thank God that there are people that pray for me, amen? I'm thankful tonight that um, God has placed me in the ministry. In the ministry, you need others. You need people. You can't make it on your own. The best thing he ever done is he gave me a wonderful ministry partner, my wife. She's sitting out there, and I can't do it without her. I wouldn't be here tonight if I didn't have her. Because Lord knows I'm hard to put up with. And Lord knows sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I need help. And she's always there. She's my best help. But he's given me a church family that loves me. And I've had three churches so far in my ministry. And each one has been dear people that he placed around me that loved me, accepted me. And the one thing that's important that they prayed for. But here, I want you to look with me as we read the Apostle Paul writing. The Paul tells him in verse 29, he says, But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. He's coming to a church he's never been to. He's never been to the church in Rome. Although chapter 16 is filled with people that he already previously knows that are there, and he's listing the name of people that are members of that church. He's writing to a church, and he's letting them know how much he desires to come. And how he's been hindered and ministry has kept him in other places, but now he sees opportunity, an open door, that I'm going to be able to come and I'm going to be able to minister to y'all and be with y'all. And he's looking forward to being with this church. And he writes here where I want to preach tonight, 
Started out in verse 30, says, now I beg you, brethren. Now, when he said brethren, he's talking to the church, to us, brothers in Christ, sisters and brothers who know the Lord. And he says, now, he says, I beg you, brethren. The old King James says, I beseech you. One translation says, I urge you. Man, Paul is serious here. He says, I'm begging you, I'm urging you, I'm beseeching you. And listen to what he tells them he's asking them to do. He says, I beg you, brethren. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the only way we can pray. And through the love of the Spirit, and this is what I want you to look at what he says, that you would strive together with me in prayers to God for the churches. That's not what it says. Look what it says right there. He says, for me. And I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I'm proudful to a degree. <laughs> I teach my people all the time, we can't pray for you if you don't let us know. <laughs> If you don't put it on the prayer list, if you don't let us know you're in the hospital, you know, there's people be in the hospital, be sick for a week, and then they get upset because we didn't come visit them. Like, we got angels come from heaven, wakes up at night, say, so-and-so's in the hospital. <laughs> you know, you got to let people know. And it caught my attention that Paul, who's praying for every church he writes to, would be humble. I mean, Paul, who wrote the book of Romans. Paul, who planet churches throughout the Roman Empire. I think Paul, probably you could be safe to say, is next to Jesus, the greatest Christian ever walked on the earth. <laughs> and he's telling them, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Strive with me. What he's saying, struggle with me. Make effort with me together and pray to God for me. Man, I, I looked at that and then I got to looking around and I seen this. If you look with me, it's not uncommon this thing, I ain't never used it here. <laughs> I need it to back up. There we go. For Paul to ask people to join with him in prayer. If you look at this verse right here with me, listen to what he's telling them. He says right here, and this comes from 2 Corinthians. You also join in in helping us through your prayers. Paul said, I want you to join us, me and my people who are ministering, through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. You know what Paul's saying in that verse right there? He's saying the favor that God will bestow on us is going to happen because you join us and pray for us. And if there's something a preacher needs, he needs the favor of God, amen? He needs God's anointing upon his life. He needs God's supernatural ability and enablement if he's going to accomplish and be able to do what God's talking to him. And Paul was a man who was realizing that. Listen to these verses. I'm going to just give them to you right quick. Paul, over and over and over in the scriptures, once I began to look, is asking people to pray for him. In 1 Thessalonians, he just says, brethren, pray for us. That's a pretty easy one. You look at 2 Thessalonians, he says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. Paul right there saying, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word may go forth swiftly, that it may be glorified, and that we may be delivered from people who don't believe. That's what he's saying. Listen to this other one in Colossians. Colossians, he says, continue earnestly with, in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. Paul's realizing that it takes praying to open doors of opportunity so that he can preach the gospel in a way that it makes a difference in this world for God. And Paul realized and depended not only upon himself, 
and upon God, but upon God's people to join with him together in ministry. Have you figured out yet Christianity is not a spectator sport? This ain't NASCAR, amen? This ain't football. I'm Super Bowl's coming up. Boy, we can coach, we can cheer, we can do everything, but get on the field and play. But here, you're supposed to be on the field. You're supposed to be on the front line. You're supposed to be right there with the spiritual leaders of the church, praying with them. On the, when you're praying the way God wants us to, you're a part of everything that the church is accomplishing for the glory of God. And if there's something that we need to happen today in the church, it's for the church to learn how important and how it's necessary praying and trusting in the power of God is. Listen to this last one I want to give you. In Ephesians, he said this, and pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What he's saying right there, if I'm going to speak boldly the way I ought to speak, if I'm going to have utterance to speak in a way that it penetrates a heart, you need to pray for me earnestly. That God makes that happen. Anytime a preacher is being used in a place where souls are being touched to the point people are being saved, lives are being changed, the word is not only being preached, but it's being heard and received, and it's entering into hearts and changing lives. There's praying people around that church. Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of old who preached in London, had this humongous church, was asked, what do you contribute the great fruitfulness and blessing of your preaching ministry, Charles Spurgeon? And he says, every Sunday down in the basement, I have 100 plus people down there on their knees praying for me why I am in my home. And we hear about the great Spurgeons, and we think of these great men who got to stand in the pulpit, but what really made Spurgeon what he was, yes, he was committed, he was sold out, he was a sanctified, set-apart, called vessel of God, but he had people around him who no one but heaven knew about who was on their knees praying, God, use our pastor. Use the preacher today. And guys, I want you to understand something. No preacher can do it without the support and help of the flock. And thank God for preachers who give their lives for the flock, but I thank God for the flock who's willing to come back and give back to the preacher. How about you, amen? And friends, I want to talk to us tonight about praying for our spiritual leaders, how the church prayed for Paul. You know, when you look at that passage, that, that one right there, the, the, the main verse, now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. It's amazing that Paul would even say that. But what's more amazing, when you read the next few verses, he gave an itemized list, a prayer request of what he wanted them to pray for. And I want you to look at the first thing he says in verse 31. He says, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Paul says, I want you to pray for me to be delivered from unbelievers. Have y'all figured out that not everyone in the Greenwood area that we're ministering to in our mission field are believers and are happy about the news of Jesus? Have you been out in America yet telling people about the good news of Jesus? Not everybody wants to hear it. I don't know about you. I found out a long time ago, some people in the church sometimes makes me wonder if they believe. It's been more than once me and my wife has had someone knock on our door or come to my office and be highly opposed to where we were doing and what God was showing us and leading us to do. And when I got to talking to him, I've always been told my preacher, my pastor, Brother Dusty McLemore, who 
ordained me, who I came out from under. He told me when he ordained me, he said, anything you ever do, never leave the church without biblical support. Always be able to back up what you do, Brother Marvin, with the word of God. So, man, I always have been able to do that. And I pray, and until God gives me a word, until he tells me what to do, I don't tell anybody this is what God says we ought to do. Because you just come, the moment you say this is what God wants us to do, there's always one or two out there that says, we ain't never done it. We ain't never did it that way. <laughs> they they, they kind of like a cow that don't want to go through that fence. And, and they're hard to get through it sometimes. And they've come to my house more than once. And I said, well, let's sit down and look at what the Word of God says. I don't care what the Word of God says. That has happened to me more times than you could imagine. Friends, listen. Paul was going to Jerusalem. If you look at the text and study it, check it out. In context, he's bringing an offering that he's been collecting from the Gentile churches. You see it in Book of Corinthians and all the other um, letters that he's been collecting. He's bringing it to the Judean church in Judea and Jerusalem to bless them. And he says, I want y'all to pray for me because where I'm going, not everyone's going to believe. You know what? It's amazing to me. But also, this is the second thing he prayed. That I may not only be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, but that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Now, we would not ever think that our ministry, our service, what we're doing to the people we are here to minister to would be unacceptable. But how many preachers we got here tonight who would say, preacher, sometimes they don't want help. You can't help somebody who don't want it, amen? And sometimes people don't want to hear what the Bible says. Paul told Timothy, he says, preach the word in season, out of season. Because in the last days, difficult times are going to come, and there's going to come a time where they're not going to want to hear, thus saith the Lord. Because they're going to heap up teachers who tell them myths and fairy tales and stories and scratch their ears and pat them on the back and tell them, oh, everything's going to be all right. But sometimes you've got to be honest. And you've got to preach the whole counsel of God's word, in season, out of season. That means when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. When you feel like, when they don't. And you know what I've come to find? Not everyone always is acceptable to the things you're trying to implement in the church. Let me give you an example. When I was at my first church, First Baptist Madisonville. Now, don't get that First Baptist message. You think it was big. When I got there, they had 22 members, I think, the first night. I'd been there a little while. We grew to about 38. Boy, we was really doing something. Started getting some young folks coming. I said, man, we got to get nursery going, folks. We got to have nursery. Nursery, I could see them brussel up. There wasn't one in there. It wasn't a grandma. I said, but if we want to have young folks, we got to have nursery. Well, they reluctantly agreed to have nursery. Because I was the new preacher, and they didn't want to tell me, no, I ain't been there but two months. <laughs> so we implemented nursery. and I didn't know they had a, a, a rule that was in the bylaws, and everybody knows in the Baptist church that trumps the Bible, amen? And the bylaws, it said that only people that could come to nursery was four and under, or some age. So, man, I had these people in my church. Two of them was deacons. It was Brother Alvin and Brother Fenwick. They were first cousins. Brother Fenwick was about four foot six. And Brother Alvin was about six foot six. And they were married to two twin sisters that were identical, looked just alike, and sounded just alike. Sister Mildred and Sister Melvin. Got Alvin and Melvin and Fenwick and Mildred. And they were both deacons and their wives was kind of patriarchs or matriarchs in that church. So we got nursery going and things are starting to go good. We got young folks coming, bringing people to church. And, putting kids in the nursery. And man, I'm sitting there one Sunday, and I'm going to tell you, when, when the, their, their wives 
Anytime God moved on a good day, if the Lord stirred, one of them would come forward to rededicate. And they'd come up and they look so much alike and they sound so much alike. I'm not saying this to be funny, but they sounded kind of like the teacher on Charlie Brown. You can only understand about every third word. And they'd come forward and they'd be trying to tell me something in the invitation. And they look so much alike and they sound so much alike. I'd have to peek over their shoulder and see which one of them's wife was sitting by them to know who they were. And I'd say, okay, Sister Melba, I got Melba. This come from hell. Well, man, this morning, we sitting in there, man, we got all kind of visitors. Man, I'm all full of the joy of the Lord. I'm stirred up, ready to preach. I'm sitting, that's why I don't sit up here at my church no more. I'm sitting in the chair just like this. It's during the offering. I'm sitting there doing the offering. Man, they playing that offertory. I'm sitting there ready. I said, well, they going to play the special. They're going to sing the special. I'm going to preach God's word all of a sudden. I opened my eyes, and there was his feet. As soon as I seen how little what he was, I said, that's Brother Finley. I opened my eyes, and I looked up at him, and I was eyeball to eyeball sitting down. He said, preacher, we got a problem in the nursery. I said, well, brother, can you handle it? You're the chairman of the deacons. I got to preach after this special. Well, I need you to come help us. I said, well, what is it? Someone put a four-year-old in the nursery. We ain't supposed to have but three-year-olds and under. I said, well, good Lord, what's that a problem for? I said, who in the world's keeping nursery? Mildred, his wife. Now, he had a problem, and he was trying to give me a problem. And I said, well, what's the problem? They said, well, they just are not all happy about this nursery stuff. Friend, I'm going to tell you, you get to doing good, you think everything's going wild and going good for Jesus. Not everyone always thinks that way. Now, we laugh at that, and we think that's crazy. I can tell you some stories break your heart. I've been asked one time by the deacons, seven years in, we done built a building, we outgrew the sanctuary, we moved out into the Family Life Center, we, we implemented new stuff, and one Sunday, boy, I'm asked by my deacons, said, we don't like it down there. We want you to move us back up there, back where we come from, in the old sanctuary. I said, we can't fit up there. We can't go backward. And, buddy, it started. About three months in, on Sunday, on a business meeting, they told me three out of six that if I didn't move back upstairs, they were going to bring me for the church, and they were going to vote to see if they wanted to keep me as their pastor. Boy, that'll bless you. Amen. <laughs> But you know what? When all this kind of stuff is going on, you don't tell your church. You don't want to go and tell your wife. You got to keep it all to yourself. But guys, I want you to understand something. We need to understand tonight that we need to take our prayers and we need to bring them to the front lines and we need to learn how to pray offensively instead of always praying defensively. And let me explain to you what I'm talking about. Most of us are praying for everyday fix-it kind of needs of life. <laughs> Me included, the majority of our prayers are what I want to call tonight defensive prayers. Something bad happens, and we react to it because we don't like it, we don't want it, and we want it gone by trying to pray it out of here. Amen? So most of our praying is it as a result of something's already happened to us. Just think about this. Life is going around all right. Something happens to upset it. And we want to pray that away and get back to normal or what we perceive as normal. Because it's amazing to me, but many of us in the church today have this sense of entitlement that if you're a faithful believer, life could always be good. Now, you know, doctrinally, you can't say that, but deep down, you'll say, God, I've been doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm being faithful. I'm tithing. I'll attend. I'm doing, why are you letting this happen to me? And you get to trying to pray it out of your life. You ever done that? 
and, and you, you, you're reacting to what has happened. Think about this. This is If you ever came to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, at least the majority of the ones I've been in, this is the kind of stuff we pray. Fix my life, Lord. Change my circumstances. God, remove this painful problem. Take this away so that I can be free of this painful situation in my life. Lord, heal this. Provide for this financial need. Change this difficult person, Lord. Fix them because they're driving me crazy. It's always on the defense. But I want you to think about this. All of these are defensive prayers. Most of us spend all of our time praying by reacting to bad things that have already happened to us. When we ought to be praying for good things that we want to happen that's not happened yet. See, Paul said, don't wait till they get me. Don't wait till they reject me. Pray already that I'll be delivered and be safe. Pray already that my ministry will be accepted. Don't wait till we're in the middle of peril and we're in trouble. Pray it out of there before it ever gets started. See, the devil is just like the Lord. He's hunting for people to use. And just like the Lord loses believers, the devil uses unbelievers. And just like he finds people whose spirit is humbled and broken and willing to submit and surrender to his will, he's looking for those kind of people to accomplish his will. The devil's looking for people who aren't surrendered, who are selfish and self-centered, so that he can use them to accomplish his will. And friends, you know what? We ought to be praying more offensively by responding in the Spirit as the Lord guides our prayer life. You know, Paul said, pray that I'll be delivered from unbelievers. Pray that I'll be accepted by those who do believe. And then you know this next thing he said, and this is so true. Every preacher that I want to know, he wants to be able to reach lost people. He wants to be able to make a difference for God he wants to be able to influence them for Jesus. And he doesn't want to be rejected. He doesn't want to be against the lost. He wants the lost to know and see the love of God. And he certainly wants his ministry to be accepted. But guys, listen. When that doesn't happen, this is what can happen. There's nothing that is more useless to the church than a Christian who's lost their joy. Look at the next thing Paul prayed here. This amazed me. I always thought Paul was super Christian. I thought Paul probably never got weary, that he never lost heart. Then I got to reading what he writes. You know, most of what a preacher's preaching is the result of what he's going through. <laughs> and Paul said, do not lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't what? Give up and lose heart. Guys, listen. Look at what he prays right here. He said, pray. This thing got turned off again. Uh-oh. Well, anyway, the next thing, if you look with me there, maybe it'll come on here. There we go. Look what verse 32 says. He says, pray that I will be delivered. Pray that I will be accepted. Listen to what he prays. Pray that I may come to you with joy. You know what? There ain't nothing worse than the preacher when he shows up on Sunday and he ain't coming full of joy. Man, and when he's lost his joy, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. When you're filled with the joy of the Lord and the strength of the Lord is working through you, you can do anything you think. You can accomplish it all. But look, when you lose your joy, you can't accomplish anything. I've learned my lesson the hard way. And friends, listen, if there's something we need to understand is men who leave the church are still men of the church. And just like we struggle sometimes in the church, we struggle also to leave the church. 
And I don't know about you, but there's been times when I went to church when I was wondering, how am I going to preach? I done got whooped on, beat on, spit on, chewed on. Man, everything that could have happened seems like it's happened to me. And I've done let myself get discouraged. And I get to the church, and someone will leave a card laying on my desk. Yeah. Open that desk and say, Preacher, I just want you to know I love you, appreciate you, and I've been afraid. I won't tell you that. I'll make you get over it. <laughs> I've had people walk up to me who had had Holy Ghost spiritual discernment. I'm at church. I'm putting on my preacher face. By God, I'm going to whoop the devil no telling. Well, no matter what, I'm not going to let nobody know he's got me whooped. How you doing, preacher? I'm fine. I'm blessed. How about you? I'm lying through my teeth. They look at me and say, preacher, come here. Lord, put it on my heart this morning. I just want to come in the office and pray. And pray and pour along when they walk out of their home. Tell you, I done got filled with the joy of the Lord. You see, guys, Paul said, don't wait till you notice the preacher is so whooped. Everybody knows. Pray for him that he don't get that way. Pray ahead of time that he's delivered from unbelievers, that his ministry is accepted and everyone's excited about what God's doing and everyone's in unity and working together for God's glory in one accord, like-minded. And everyone's experiencing the joy of the Lord. You know what the Bible says about the leaders of the church? Listen to this. This is free. This is lanyard. This is just a little extra. This comes from Hebrews chapter 13. The Bible says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those that might give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Not for the preacher, for you. When the preacher gets to where he's not ministering through a spirit of joy, it hurts the church as much as it hurts the preacher. But when he is filled with the joy of the Lord, I want to tell you something, the church can get ready. You're going to have church that morning, amen? You're going to have, be blessed. He's going to have a word, and he's going to preach it with a heart that desires to preach it. You'll have to be saying, Lord, I hope he runs out of electricity. We've got him ready to go home tonight. He just won't know when to quit because he's so filled with the joy of the Lord, he can't shut up about him. Amen? But sometimes, you ever seen them preachers, you wish he would shut up because he looked more defeated than you. Amen? He said, goodness, I'm going to pray for him that he'll be quiet. But friends, listen, we need to have preachers who are winners and overcomers and who are able to walk faithful and be that type of example that not only you need to see, but the lost world needs to see. The world doesn't need people that can brag on all the possessions that God's given us, all our gifts and our big house and our fancy clothes. They need to see people that when life ain't going well, that's still happy. That still has a joy that they can't explain. The peace of God beyond understanding. The joy that only Jesus can put in there. You see, because our joy is not dependent really on what's going on around us. Our joy is dependent about what's going on inside of us. And you know what? God can get a hold of the preacher, and everything can be going bad. Everything can be going terrible, and he can be filled with joy that's unspeakable. But sometimes everything can be going well, and everything can be looking good, and he's not. And he's going because joy comes from God. And that's why we pray to God. Paul said, pray that when I come to you, I'll come filled with the joy of the Lord. And that's the only way to come, amen? Last thing you need is the preacher showing up. Woe is me, chicken little Christians, amen? The sky is falling. You ever met some of them? Man, they got people at every church I've ever pastored that I learned. God gave me discernment. I don't have the most discernment in the world, but he gave me enough discernment to say, don't ask them this morning how they're doing. Because if you do, they're going to tell you. And then they're going to disguise it as a prayer request. 
And when you leave, you need prayer to be able to go preach because you done got pulled down with them. Amen. You ever been around people like that? Not that there's not time when we all need to share our woes and we all need to be able to go to someone and say, help me, brother, I'm struggling. But that shouldn't be every Sunday. It's the most of the time when we're around somebody, we ought to have joy. We ought to be excited. We ought to have something that people, when they see us, say, boy, I want to get around him because when you get around him, it rubs off. And it's good stuff what the Lord's doing in him. That's what the preacher needs to be. Now, guys, think about this. Paul says, not only do I want them to pray for me and struggle with me in prayer, that I'll be delivered from unbelievers, that I'll be accepted by the saints with my ministry, that I'll come to you with joy. But look at this next one. This next one is cool. Because if we're not in the will of God, it's all for naught. But Paul said, pray that when I come to you, I come to you in the will of God. Look at that. Verse 32, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. You know what? I don't know about you, but I bet Brother Dennis would tell you the same thing. If there's anything that I want to be, I don't want to do anything in the church, for the church, or lead the church that is not according to the will of God. The last thing Bethany needs down there where I just came from is for the will of Marvin. Amen? I need to know the will of God. I need to be able to know I'm in the will of God because when you know you've been in the will of God, you're confident that this is what God has told you to do. And the last thing we need is for our wants and our desires, we need the Lord's will. And Paul even said, pray that when I come to you, I come to you in the will of God. You know, many times, if we're not careful, we'll get to wondering and second-guessing, is that what God wants us to do? You know what I've come to learn and to think? I have been watching Brother Dennis now for a close to, coming up on a year probably. And I'm around Brother Dennis all the time. And there's two things I know about Brother Dennis. Number one is he's like me, he ain't perfect. <laughs> or I wouldn't hang around him all the time. And if he thought he was perfect, I'd run. Because the last thing we need to do is get around people who think they're perfect. I like getting around brothers who know they're only one perfect, Jesus. And that's why we're hanging out with him, trying to let him make us better. But the other thing that I know about him, no, is that he wants to help. He has a heart to see people come to know the Lord. And whatever he's doing, I know that those two things are dictating. He's saying, look, we need Jesus. We need God. And so I'm behind him. And as long as what I see Brother Dennis doing is lining up with the Word of God, as long as what he's doing and I watch his life, is he's, he's striving and he, by the grace of God, you can see he's a man that's walking to try to please the Lord, and, and you see that coming. I don't know about you, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to follow. <laughs> I'm going to try to be the person who brings joy into his life, not takes it away. I'm going to undergird him with everything I can, not only my prayer, but with he's going to know I accept his ministry. He's going to know I'm not out to get him. He's going to know I'm on his side, that I stand with him. And the greatest way you'll ever stand with him is to pray. Pray for him. Just like Paul said, strive with me. Struggle with me. And pray for me to God. And guys, listen, that's a wonderful thing because listen, this is what we all came here tonight. How many of you coming tonight wanting to be refreshed in the Lord? You came to hear a word that brings strength and nourishment to your soul and to your spirit. You came to be in a place where you're around people who encourage you, who remind you that in Jesus we win. 
that, yeah, it's bad out there. It's going to get worse. Don't worry. It ain't got bad yet. It can get worse. God showed me that two weeks ago. He gave me the flu. He said, you think it's bad now? It can get worse. I was laying in the bed about that third day saying, Lord, if it can't get no better, just kill me. Take me home. And then finally, about the end of that third day, I said, Lord, I don't know what I've been doing wrong, but you got my attention. If you just show me, I'll get right. Amen. I don't know about you. It can get worse. But you know what? When I got well and I went back to church, there's a lot of my other folks that had the flu. But you know what? It was so good to get back to a place where people was happy, where people was praising Jesus, where people was glad to see, where people made you feel like this is where we belong. And you know what I found out? Man, I went back in no time. Not only was I getting better physically, but I got refreshed spiritually. Listen to what Paul says. This is my favorite part. The last thing he says, and this thing is quit again, but what has happened to me? My battery must be getting low. You ever do that when you're a Christian? That's why you got to get refreshed, amen? Listen to what Paul said. He said, when I get there, look at this, that when I get there to you, that we may be blessed together. Paul said, I'm coming to help you get refreshed, but because of you, I'm planning on getting refreshed with you. And friends, you know what? There ain't nothing better than when the preacher is filled with the joy of the Lord. Everyone knows it's the will of God. We're doing it. We're in agreement. We're all agreeing and accepting what God's doing. And friends, listen, when we all get together and that joy is working and we get refreshed in the Lord, that's what it's all about, revival and refreshment. You know what? I used to think when I first got saved, I come up in the Baptist church, and I come up in churches, them old, good old conservative churches, boy, they soul winning churches. They do two or three revivals a year. We get them preachers to come in. We all set aside. We'd have prayer meetings in houses, cottage prayer meetings. We'd all make a great emphasis for that month ahead. And boy, for the month ahead, before we get right with God like we ought to be every day, and we'd have a big week that we thought, bah, revival's coming. And boy, we'd have special music, special preaching. Everyone would come special eat, and we thought we was having revival. But a week out, it was gone. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should seek revival. When you quit seeking it, one thing about it, you're probably not going to get it. And I used to think revival is this thing that God's going to send one day. We're going to have national revival, and I believe that can happen. I hope it does. But you know what I've become to find out? If I'm probably going to ever see revival in my day, it's probably not going to be a revived America. It may not even be a revived whole community. But I can tell you what I do think can happen. I think when the church comes together with the pastors and the leaders and the leaders are all together and we are all in one accord and we're praying like we're, we can all come and God will refresh us and we'll have revival here whether America wants it or not, amen? You know what? America can't stop Jesus. The culture doesn't stop it. We let them stop it. We need to understand that we need to learn to trust in what God has said and there's nothing greater we can do than pray. I want you to think about this. The greatest thing the church will ever do for the pastor is to make the decision to stand with him in prayer. Is there anybody here that doesn't agree with that? We'll pray for you to get saved. Amen. Now I'm playing. But all kidding aside, think about this. To join your pastor as a sincere prayer partner and support him by praying for him daily is the greatest blessing you'll ever give your pastor. Now, guys, I, I love when people bless us. We had, um, in October, they had this thing called Pastor Appreciation. Some people gave me a card that had a $100 bill in it. That'll make you feel appreciated. But that don't help you when the unbelievers got you by the leg <laughs> trying to drag you out the will of God. And people aren't accepting you and you're feeling that you're losing your joy. $100 might 
make you feel good, but for usually about a steak dinner and a fishing pole, it's over with, amen? <laughs> it's gone. But I want to tell you something. When people come up to you and say, I love you, preacher, and I'm with you, and I'm praying for you. In fact, I'm going to pray with you right now. And they come and get you. There was this old man lived across the road from me. Had everything in the world with me. He lived in a wheelchair the whole time I knew him, and I knew him for the whole first 10 years I was at my other church. His name was Bob Rawls. He lived right across the road. Come out through an old independent Baptist background. He was as conservative and legalistic as you could ever get. But he loved Jesus so much. And I don't know how many times things would be going on down at the church. And I'd be fixing to get up to go to church that morning. That phone would ring. Preacher, bye. And he'd just go to pray. Lord, be with our pastor this morning. Give him strength. I hear things going on down there. You, Lord, hold him up. And then he'd tell me, I just want you to remember, Jesus don't call quit. And I didn't join the church to follow him. Go down there and be the preacher. <laughs> and boy, if, some, if, if something started getting you discouraged, you'd get ready. He'd get a call from Bob. But he would pray for him. I don't know how many times I went down there thinking, how can I not preach today when a man prayed for me like that? But guys, let me tell you something. This is what I think we need to understand. This is the last time we might put up with this. Well, I thought it was. Well, anyway, if you go over that list, we done lost it. This is what it is. I'll read it to you. And if you are serious about doing this, I'll give you my notes. <laughs> but if you are taking notes, this would be a good thing to pray. Because listen, this is what the Apostle Paul specifically, personally asked the church to pray for him. He said, strive together with me in prayers for me, for deliverance from unbelievers, for acceptance of my ministry, for joyfulness in the ministry, God's will in ministry, and for refreshing faith. That's the Bible. And if that's what Paul asked the church in Rome to pray, certainly a peon like me and Brother Dennis needs y'all to pray that for me. Tonight, if there's a person here who needs the Lord, I would ask you to please come to me and Brother Dennis we would love to take the rest of the night, if that's what it would take, to take the Scripture and show you how to know for sure in the Scripture that you're saved. But I'll just tell you right quick that we're all sinners. We're all falling short of the glory of God that he created us and gave us the potential to create. But because we've let sin come into our lives, we are created in his image. We have more ability to give glory to God than any other creature, yet we are the only ones who sin on a regular basis against him and because of that we're separated from his presence and we can only be reunited through his plan of redemption through his son the Lord Jesus Christ if we could fix it Jesus wouldn't have come and died on the cross but Jesus died on the cross because there was no other way for us to be saved and to have Christ and to have a relationship with God and for those of us here tonight who have a relationship with God the next most important thing to that is helping others to have that relationship with God. And guys, when we are all praying together and we're in unity, we'll find unbelievers that do believe and get saved. We'll find people who all want to be in one accord and accept the ministry of the church and go forward with joy in the will of God and be refreshed Sunday after Sunday, Thursday night after Thursday. But guys, listen, we got to all pray together. How many of you would be willing to say tonight, 
that you're here tonight because God has put a group of men and women here that bless you, that minister to you. You get refreshed. Thank God for Brother Dennis. And he didn't know I was doing this, and I didn't ask for permission until a while ago where he didn't have time to tell me not to do it. But I want you tonight, if you would be willing, and you're saying, I will pray for my pastor. You don't have to pray exactly this, but that'd be a good place to start. But pastor, I want you to know I'm not just doing this. I mean this. I'm going to pray for you daily. I'm going to strive together with you to God with prayers for you. I'm going to ask you if you would stand. Amen. You know, where's old Skeeter? Come up here, Skeeter. Where's Duke? Where's the rest of the praise team, if you don't mind coming? And Miss Robin, I'm going to embarrass you. You come up here, because I've been up here long enough to know that they can't do what they do without you. Y'all don't realize this, but she keeps them straight. But I want you to look at what God has blessed you with. He has given you a ministry team, spiritual leaders. And I don't know what church you may come through that you go to on Sunday, but some of you probably have a Sunday school class. I'm going to ask you if God puts it on your heart to let that Sunday school teacher know. I thank God for you, that you take time to prepare and sit with us and bless us with a lesson and share the Word of God with And I want you to know I pray for you every day, and I'm going to pray for your ministry every day, and I'm going to pray that God will fill you with joy. And when we gather in this little room for Sunday school, that we're refreshed, that we leave with joy, with a desire to accomplish the will of God, to go out and win lost people and to make a difference and an influence in our community, in this generation, for Jesus in the gospel. And friends, listen, these people right here are ministering to you, and I know they pray for you, but tonight what I want you to do is minister to them and pray for them. We're all going to gather here in a minute, and we're going to have a prayer to dismiss. But before we leave, they usually wait out there at the door, and y'all always stop, and I know what we do. We say, good word, Brother Dennis, we love you. Good, good, good word. But tonight, you can tell him that if you want. Well, he didn't preach. <laughs> but what I want you to do is say, brother, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. I got your back. Not only him, but Miss Glenda, Duke, and all the rest of these people who God has given y'all. They're a gift, a gift to the church. And I don't know about you, but I have grown to love them dearly. And so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to close us out in a prayer tonight. And then we're just going to let God, if that's all right, Brother Dennis, I'm going to ask them to come up here. Y'all can come up here. They can come up here. Y'all come up here before you leave. Maybe give them a hug around the neck. Maybe even give them a holy kiss. I don't know. That's up to you. But don't leave without letting them know what God has told you to do. And let's pray for one another. Amen. Pray for us down at Bethany. Lord knows they need it. They got me for the pastor. But pray for this ministry team and for these spiritual leaders. And you know what I'll tell you is going to happen? You're going to see a difference. God will bless our prayers. As we take time to close tonight, if you do need the Lord, I'm going to be standing here, and I want you to know that if there's anybody here that needs Jesus, I would love to stay here and share that with you. So come up here and find me, and I'll still help you to know that you know Jesus. But right now, let's all pray together. And then let's all minister back to those who are so faithfully ministering to us. And let's bless them back. How many of you are thankful? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for the church, the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be part of that great, great organization, the church of the living God. Thank you for the leaders that you place in and over our lives. And Lord, I particularly tonight thank you for Open Range Fellowship. I thank you for the team that you've placed here. I thank you for these dear people who make up and Lord, they are Open Range. And I pray tonight, Lord, that as we all take time to reflect on the goodness and the faithfulness of your provision to give us the pastor, the shepherd we need, the music leader we need, the, the, all the things that we need to be able to minister to this community. I pray tonight that we come together in true unity and that we would pray for them and strive together with them in prayers to God for them. Thank you, Lord. Bless us tonight, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church.